Welcome into the Maroon Mike Podcast. I'm your co-host, Andrew Miller. I'm your other co-host, Daniel Faulkner. Daniel, it is officially the most wonderful time of the year. Starting tonight as we record 27 straight days of football on TV, whether it be college or NFL. We have Maction back on Tuesday. Uh, you know, MSU's off this weekend, but it couldn't be any better for us as football fans going forward over the next month. Oh, it's beautiful. And I'm actually, I'm looking something up. Uh, our old, well, I say old friend, Dan Mullen is making his uh, broadcast debut, like from the booth tonight. Uh, really? Virginia Tech and North Carolina State. So oh, that's a disgusting it, it game. Starts, it starts for, for us right now in six minutes. Hope by the time everyone's listened to it, maybe you already watched it. I don't know. I, I'm going to tune into the, to the second half just because I was like, hey. Dan Mullen, why not? Uh, you know, he, he is doing pretty good as an analyst. And fun, what a way to kick off, right? You get you get three games tonight. I don't know who's on the NFL, but like you said, Maction's coming back on Tuesdays. And that that just brings so much joy. I think Barstool's going out and doing their show at one of the, the Maction Tuesday night games. Uh, you can't ask for a better, better, better time to be a football fan. Absolutely. I, I'm going to have to, I did not know Dan was doing that. I, I obviously I've seen him as a studio analyst and look, I mean, I can put the past aside. He's really good in that role. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say. Cause it, which it's going to be interesting. Cause again, that game is going to suck. Uh, NC state without its quarterback is, is a nightmare and Virginia tech's been terrible all season. So that game will be disgusting for him. Um, I guess it's like, he probably deserves having to start off his broadcasting career calling that game. Um, but I did lie uh, on the last show. I said we were going to use this opportunity to talk about basketball. And then we decided we're going to push that off a little bit longer. Um, obviously, since we're not going to have a football game to recap on Monday, instead of it being me and Lounge on to talk football, it'll be me and Colton. So you'll have the return of Colton uh, to talk about basketball. I wanted to get together with him because I know he knows the women's team a lot better than I do. Um, and the basketball season is going to be tipping off very, very soon want to be able to preview it you know new era for both the men's and women's with Christians taking over the men's program Sam Purcell taking over the women's program so going to make sure we have you know the most informed opinions possible of the four of us which is not saying much but we, we feel like we can push that back a little bit and we're going to use this show uh to talk we're, we're going to talk football but obviously MSU is on their bye week and even though you know we're not it's not like a halfway point but two-thirds of the way through the season we want to take a chance to kind of look back on what we expected beforehand and how have things matched up. What, what's, you know, what were we right about? What was positive? What, what's been negative? Um, and then kind of look at what do we think needs to happen down the stretch for MSU to meet their goals? And what do we ultimately expect at this point in the season? Because, look, you know, overall, State's gotten off to a solid start, but last couple of weeks have not gone the way fans have wanted. So, it feels like bye week, it's both a reset for the team, but it's also a chance for us to sort of reset how we maybe we view this team and talk about it. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it's like I said, it's not really the halfway point, but we're going to treat it as such. You know, the, the, the midterm report card is uh, is coming up from the Mississippi State football team, and and we're going to dish out grades like like some good good school teachers here. Um, and, yeah, what uh, – when you look at it, it's like some people be disappointed and shoot, I've been disappointed at moments, but uh, we're going to, we're going to explain why we were disappointed, even though we could be doing better than we thought. Potentially, potentially, depending on, uh, you know, what, what you had predicted at this point. I mean, definitely 
compared to what national media had predicted, state's definitely doing better than we thought. I will say, thinking about it though, it's uh, it is appropriate we waited till now rather than at the halfway point because halfway point would have been after Arkansas, and I think we were all riding quite the high following that Arkansas game. Um, it'll probably be quite the different tone, but I'll, I'll, you, you hate to be more negative, but at the same time, we have more information, and I think we have a better idea of who this team is because six games in, the results were. I don't want to say lying to us, but weren't telling the full picture. Now we've gotten a little bit of a better idea after the past few weeks. So obviously Mississippi State sits five and three, two and three in the SEC West. And look, that's where most of us had them to this point. Um, most of us exactly had the same wins and losses with losing in Death Valley, losing in Lexington, that of course has just become a house of horrors for MSU. And then, I mean, no one's going to predict the win over Alabama. You take the loss there. Um, and, you know, on the one hand, it's like, okay, you're right on track. You're right on track to meet your goals uh, that most of us had set for this team. But on the other hand, I mean, we see how the results play out. We see what actually happened in the game. And it sort of changes your perception a little bit. But, Daniel, I know you mentioned uh, maybe being a little bit better. You might have been a little bit lower on state to this point of the season than a lot of us were. I had us at uh, would have been four and four right now. So I had all the three losses that we currently have preseason. And then – I, I didn't expect AM to implode the way they did and be as bad as they were this year. And so I had us losing to AM. And I, I had us at four and four with the potential to win out just with the way Mississippi State plays at home. Like we, we all know it's a, it's a huge advantage playing at home. And, and that's shown in this season. Just with you look at the five conference games they've played, they've only won the ones at home and lost the ones on the road. Um, and I just thought like that was such a huge advantage it was the perfect storm to upset Georgia. I was like, well, they're going to win out after, after losing to Alabama. Uh, they'll get that bye week, go, go take care of Auburn, go, go beat Georgia, and then, you know, go on and win the Egg Bowl because, you know, Ole Miss is actually a bit better than we all – well, I say a bit. They're a lot better than a lot of us had, had projected at the beginning of the season. Potentially. And, and we'll talk more about that game towards the end of the show because obviously that's going to be part of looking ahead. But – I guess, to, you know, get off track just for a moment here. I mean, I will say a lot. I think Ole Miss being undefeated into the LSU game wasn't actually that big of a shock, given how easy their schedule was. And, look, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens against A&M, who you talked about a minute ago this weekend. But does feel like we're starting to find out Ole Miss might have – that record might have been inflated a little bit. A&M, on the other hand, you're right. I know everyone talks about, you know, oh, Texas 8-4, and four, and they make the jokes about, they you know, they're, they always are mediocre. I don't think anybody anticipated them being nearly as bad as they were. So, I mean, I can't blame you for saying, hey, State could drop that one at home to the Aggies, which they're getting bad to the point where, I mean, don't be shocked if an $85 million buyout gets taken care of. We've been complaining about gas prices for so long. Your gas is all going to go up about a dollar per gallon when all the yeah. oil tycoons out there have to find their way to make sure, well, let's get some extra change in so we can get Jimbo out of here because uh, that team is a disaster. But with that – Let's talk about, you know, how close is this team to what we kind of expected? And, and for me, I would say at their best, they've been pretty close. And I think we all do it. You get to the time, you get to the season kickoff, and you start telling yourself how good we're going to be. I remember even last year, I was like, this team's going to be a lot better than national media are expecting. And they were, but they still had those inconsistencies and the growing pains. Um, this team, I thought, this is an experienced team, veteran unit, year three in the leech system, a ton of depth back on defense they've got a chance to be really stinking good. And even after the LSU loss, I didn't panic too much. There were a few things in that game that concerned me, and unfortunately they kind of reared their ugly heads again. But 
at the time I was like, look, it's going to Baton Rouge, Death Valley, still talented. We, we made a lot of mistakes. If we can clean that stuff up, this team's going to be fine. And after A&M and Arkansas, we kind of felt that. But now we're kind of seeing the other side of the coin where at their worst, it's kind of been disappointing. I mean, I, you know, I understand playing on the road is tough, but I didn't expect them to have the struggles in Lexington that they did, even with recent history and even predicting a loss before the season. Um, 10 offensive points was not something I foresaw there. Uh, and with the Alabama game, I actually came away from that oddly more optimistic than maybe a lot of people were just because I thought the way the offensive game plan was good. I thought they moved the ball well. I, I'm not going to take anything away from that game. Uh, but some of the other point, uh, performances have been disappointing. And look, maybe some of this is just a case of being a leech team where you're going to get the roller coasters of the up and downs. But, you know, it, there's a lot of inconsistencies, and, and that is a little bit worrying because this is a team that had so much uh, veteran experience. I mean, if I'm going to talk about one specific thing, I did have some concerns with the offensive line coming in, and I feel like that's showing, hurting us. Maybe not in the way I thought because they're actually handling three-man rush fine. It's when teams send literally four that it becomes a problem. But the run blocking has been good. I mean, when they teams rush three, drop eight, they're giving Will plenty of time. Uh, but you're certainly seeing that loss of Charles Cross. So that's sort of where I'm at with this team at their best. It's basically what I expected. I thought they could be really dangerous, but disappointing on the low end and the, the inconsistencies are what's concerning. Yeah, I'm right around there with you with a lot of those uh, concerns and what's been disappointing the offensive line and just uh, offensive performance on the road. But also I'm right there with you. I mean, hey, we scored points. We scored a touchdown in Tuscaloosa. The first time since Dak Prescott was a quarterback at Mississippi State, uh, that 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 was, yes, it came after sixty minutes and two seconds, but it happened. Uh, I, I'm happy with that. And considering it, it never really crossed my mind that at this point in the season, in my preseason predictions, that right now we would be four and four on a two game losing streak. I I just thought you know you you think of the whole perspective like oh eight and four right like that's what you're going for. And that's what you're going to get. And you don't think, oh, at one point you are four and four with the expectation to go on a four-game win streak, which we haven't done this year, right? Best we've done is is three in a row. Yeah, three in a row. Oh, we did that at home a few weeks ago. And, and yeah, it, it's just how uh, things are going. And in terms of wins and losses, yeah, we're doing better than I had expected at the very least. But – it's just how they lost some of those games, right? It's the the inconsistencies in Death Valley. This is supposed to be a year that everyone was saying Mississippi State is going to go into Death Valley and win it, even at night. No one ever says that. Uh, this is the year that Mississippi State is going into Lexington and going to beat Kentucky, a, a ranked Kentucky team. Preseason, no one was saying that, right? Like, people were very high up based on what they'd seen and the fact that uh, a lot of those problems just came out and part of it was uh, it wasn't a balanced offense. The running game was, wasn't able to move the ball. And Will Rogers didn't have time to throw the ball when he, he did drop back. And it's, it's just – it was that kind of inconsistency and when people brought pressure. And it's the kind of thing that we didn't think we, – we thought might happen some, but not as much as it did. And just like Andrew said a moment ago, losing Charles Cross was huge because on the left side now, he is prone to get pressure. And that is the side that you cannot have pressure from because you're not going to see it coming. And that's what made Charles Cross uh, one of the greatest offensive linemen to ever step foot in Starkville. And, and you know, losing him is huge. And you're seeing what he's doing in the NFL now. It's, it's amazing. But, you know, here's the hand that we're dealt. Like, 
we're Mississippi State. We don't have, you know, the greatest facilities. We don't have the best recruiting. That's just who we are. We make do with what we have, and we have a history of just pulling that random upset every once in a while. And 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 we're not used to we're not used to being this good. And it, it's fun. It's fun to have a very talented team. And at, at their best, you know, if they've always played at their best, this Mississippi State team is seven and one right now. Uh, seven and one, you know, top fifteen team in the country. But that's just not how it is. So it's really right around where where I think a lot of us had it. Um, and even though we're, we're upset, we just get ourselves high up before the game. Like, oh yeah, we're actually going to do this. And then when we don't, it's like, well, well, what happened? It's like, well, you know, two weeks ago, we said we were going to lose this game, but then we just got excited and that was all that happened. Well, it's the way it plays out on the field. And like, you're, you're absolutely right. We're basically right in line with where a lot of us had them. I mean, in your case, slightly better. And uh, from that standpoint, you're like, okay, we're fine. But at the other, on the other hand, you know, you do have to consider how the games happen and what the actual reality is for the team. Uh, the team is. And look, I, I am someone who I can't remember if I've said this on here or not. I do try to stand firm with the, the st- from the standpoint of if you, whatever you'd labeled as a success, success in the preseason, if you get that, you need to take it. Even if at a point in the season you reach a part where it's like, well, we could be better than that. That's not saying you can't be disappointing that you had a. That's not to say you can't be disappointed if you had a chance for something and then you miss out on it. But you know, like I don't think anybody's going to be. I would hope that there's no one that if this team ends up finishing eight and four, that this team ends up eight and four is going to be saying, "Yeah, well, this season still was a failure because we we could have been better." I hope that doesn't happen, and I, I will tell you, I won't be saying that. If they finish eight and four, uh, you really need to get that egg bowl. But there's a part of me that say, "If you beat Georgia, lose to Ole Miss, okay." Um, I yeah. hope not. I hope hope you need to win that angle. But um, yeah. if they get to eight and four, then I'll be like, okay, yeah, we're fine. Not a big deal. Some of those struggles middle of the season is what it is. Um, but there's also the side of where you, you know, and we'll talk about this later. You look ahead and it's like, eh, maybe they're not, it's going to be kind of an uphill battle maybe for them to get to that point. Cause they've got a lot of things they need to uh, correct. I mean, something I didn't have this listed um, and we, we could talk, we could talk about it later, but since uh, we were just talking about the offensive line, I will say one of the things for me that it's, that is kind of weird is I think the mindset for us kind of has been that you would think with an air raid team, if they're just going to rush four, like, or if they send pressure, you almost feel like, oh, you should beat it because of the way these, these routes are designed because of the way this offense is set up. You feel like if they're not going to drop everybody back into coverage, we should be able to find somebody. And, and instead of kind of the opposite, it's better for us when they drop everybody back because our receivers will work themselves open and the offensive line provides time. It, it, it's really weird. I mean, and maybe it's dealing with the SEC defensive lines. Maybe some of it's the inconsistencies up front. I don't know, but it's almost a little bit backwards. Like I, I'm going to, you know, give a little like inside and a little bit of insight into like the way my mind was working. And I was dead wrong. I was dead wrong. But going back, to, I remember going to the Egg Bowl last year. Um, I saw a lot of Ole Miss fans on Twitter just talking about, you got to blitz Rodgers, just blitz Rodgers, send a bunch of pressure. And I messaged a few friends, like, by all means, blitz us. Please blitz us, because if you do that, we're going to light you up. They didn't blitz a lot, but Sam Williams lit us up. So I, I was dead wrong. Like, pass rush was an issue, and we're kind of seeing that this year. But we do need to mention, like, there are some things that have gone well. So things that have been better for us than anticipated. And I sort of highlighted two things, and – I'll, I'll give Daniel an opportunity to, you know, talk, um, talk about him some. And if he's got anything else to add, number one for me was the running game. Um, 
I did not think we would be running the ball as well as we are. And it's not even just, it's not for me, I've said it many times, for me, it's not a number of attempts, it's how well are you doing it. And early in the season, it was very clear they were making more of an effort to, you know, implement uh, the ground game into it. I've talked a little bit about there's some schematic things we've done differently in the ground game than in the past that have been very beneficial. And it's actually, it's Leach kind of going back in time and bringing back stuff he used to do at Tech um, to help with the ground game here. Um, and look, the first few games, it was, again, it was inconsistent. I felt like when teams would start to hone in on it, it didn't go nearly as well, even if they didn't add more guys to the box. But the way you saw it work against Texas A&M and against Arkansas, uh, and even against Alabama this past week. I mean, the fact that this team is effective at running the ball and blocking up front in the run game, um, that does add another dimension to the offense. And, look, I, I, I will stand firm at the belief that the air raid doesn't have to have a, a consistent ground game to work, but it certainly opens things up more when you can do it. Yeah, running, running the ball good is, is a pleasant surprise. Dylan Johnson, really one of the more effective – rushers in the conference and in the country with his yards carry and and it, it's just good to see that and you're hoping he'll be back as, as soon as possible right with with his injury is is him not being in the game was like that presence was felt I mean this is just Le- Leach has learned to adapt right like he's not going to throw the ball as much now why because the the defenses are better in in this conference like when they say it just means more they mean it and Hey, props to him for for learning and getting better, getting good running backs to uh, who aren't just pass catchers in the backfield. Who can also run it up the middle, cut to the side. Like that 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 was a huge improvement. Just like I said, it, it is a pleasant surprise. Well, and, and one of the things you mentioned though is, and because I mentioned he brought some stuff back from Tech. If you go back and look at his offenses at Texas Tech, like they ran the ball very well. Now they were still throwing it 50, 60 times a game, but they would have twenty five rush attempts on average and put up over 100 yards per game they had some fantastic running backs during his time at tech and i think some of it was like he had a kid would mix things up in the ground game a little bit more which i mentioned i think we're seeing some of that this year we just a, it's look it's basic concepts it's not nothing otherworldly but it's not just running inside zone every play it's doing things a little bit different than that um i and i actually tweeted something about this uh, tweeted something about this a while back that there's a few things I, I've seen him. He used to do at Tech that he never really did at Wazoo that he's kind of bringing here. And I think some of it is for as much as people talk about, you know, the Big 12 was a weak league and, oh, it's, of course, you can score points. I think people forget the Big 12 was really good when Mike Leach was there. Like Texas and OU were legitimately elite programs. Missouri was very good. Kansas was not bad. They had Mark Mangina. Um, you had K-State doing things. Uh, Oklahoma State had success. There were a lot of strong programs in the Big 12, and including some pretty good defenses. And Leach couldn't just line up and just, you know, do nothing but running just bare basic plays every single time to have success. They mixed things up a lot more. At Wazoo, I think he felt like he can get away with a lot of that. I think he is seeing it in the SEC. You do need to throw some more change-ups in. So he's bringing back a lot of the stuff he used to do, and that is a pleasant surprise. The next big thing that I would say that's been a, a pleasant surprise for the season is the secondary. And it's not that I thought they'd be bad, but, like, last year that was a weak leak on defense. Um, even and it's crazy because you have Forbes and Emerson out there last year. Um, and obviously you see Emmanuel Forbes is it's having his best season of his career at this point. Martin Emerson's in the NFL. But when it got bit past those guys, it was an issue. Ton of big plays allowed through the passing game. And, and they're definitely still giving some of those up. I, I'm not saying that's gone away. 
But I feel like on a down-by-down basis, they are playing a lot better. And the emergence of Jackie Matthews has been huge. Jalen Green has been continues to be a strong player. He's been, I think he's playing better than he was a year ago. Um, getting other guys like Colin Duncan involved. I, I feel like this is a good group in the secondary. Obviously, Cameron Richardson, the way he stepped up, this was a concern for me in the preseason. And again, there's been still been some tricky moments, but some of that is goes back to the nature of the way we play defense. I think the the secondary has been a pleasant surprise, though. They've played really well. Yeah, and and you mentioned the guys right there, especially in in the safety group, the safety room, right? Jackie Matthews, Jalen Green, and 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 Colin Duncan, and sometimes even Sean Preston out there. It it's good to see. And what all three of those guys, they can come back next year, right? I think. I think Green is out because I think he had to make the choice whether or not he was coming back last year. Um, okay. But the other guys possibly. Yeah. So I mean, you get Jackie Matthews in. And Colin Duncan back, um, you know, that, that, that is a huge plus with the way they've been playing this year. Um, DeCamry and Richardson is coming back. Obviously, obviously Forbes is going. Forbes is gone. That dude is gone. gone. No doubt about it. Like, no, like we, we, we want him to go. We want him to go, you know, make, make the fortune that he deserves and that he's earned uh, with, with what the most pick sixes in SEC history. Like, I mean, that, that's just, that's beautiful. That's beautiful that, that the guy that has that, what school in Mississippi State, but uh, you know, you'll see guys like maybe a DeCarlos Nicholson or or a few others who are in the depth there pick it up next year too. I mean, it, it's just it's good to see it that it has the depth, and I think that's something we mentioned like could be good preseason. It's not just good; it's been really good, and it's like I said, every once in a while, yeah, crazy play will happen. That happens, but sure. for the most part, they are locked down. Yeah, and. It's it's been big for the defense, and when we get to some of the, part of the reason it's been big, we'll get to the other side in a minute. There's been some other disappointments on defense, but before I just wanted to ask, I mean, is there anything else that sticks out to you that's been a, a nice positive for the season? You don't have to give an answer if you don't have. One. We, uh, I mentioned Dylan Johnson. I mean that that was the one for me. Just just his play, um, his play is running back and and you know breaking a tackle just every single time in the line of scrimmage. If he gets hit, it. It, that's been just a pleasant surprise. Really liked seeing that. I, for sure. And it, it, it's not just in the ground game. We've known him to be a physical runner in the past, and he's really shown that. The dude is just tough as nails, and hopefully you can get him back soon uh, after this bye week because you're going to need him down the stretch. On the other side of the coin, there are things that have been worse than we expected. And the one that sticks out to me the most, um, the front seven on defense, I really thought this would be maybe the strength of the entire team. Truthfully, with the depth they had returning along the defensive line. And obviously, I get it. Jaden Crumity has been out. I think the hope is that they will have him back for the Auburn game. Um, that's a huge blow. He's your best defensive lineman. But with the experience and depth you had, you felt like you should be able to sustain losing a guy like that. And it's it's kind of in both facets. Like, pass rush has been largely non-existent throughout much of the season. That was an issue last year for this defense is that they would send a lot of pressure, but they couldn't consistently get home. You hope that another year of experience, getting Jordan Davis back, who has played pretty well. Um, th- these guys would really be able to, to tear it up and get after quarterbacks, and they just haven't been able to consistently do it. It feels like it feels like they get pressure, but they don't necessarily contain them. And, and that goes to the other side where run defense has really in recent weeks, and I've said this a few times now, I take responsibility. I jinx this run defense. After the going to the A&M game, I talked about how I thought it was off base that, 
outside perspective was that the run defense was a weakness. It, it's it was an issue. Um, now they were fantastic against Alabama. Cannot say anything about that performance. I did not see that coming at all. Being able to handle Jameer Gibbs the way that they did. Hats off to that defensive unit, and I hope that's a sign for the defense as a whole going forward. But obviously, the way Arkansas was able to run the football, the way LSU with quarterback scrambles was really able to get after you, and then Kentucky just dominating you up front with a offensive line that has struggled mightily. You feel like this front seven should be able to handle things better. And at one point, I did see, uh, I believe it was Paul Jones who made that you know a guy that we kind of pushed to the back burner and he ends up transferring out. We felt like it wasn't that big of a deal. Aaron Brule. I mean, that was the fastest linebacker you had. And even though on a play-by-play basis, Jet Johnson, Nathaniel Watson are your hard-hitter guys who are going to just run up and make tackles and do a fantastic job at that. Not having the speed out there to be able to spy quarterbacks and, you know, pass off assignments elsewhere has hurt them a little bit. So I'm a bit disappointed with this front seven for a defense where you're going to send as much pressure as we do and run defense supposed to be the hallmark of this unit. It's underwhelmed. You kind of saw that, you know, speaking of, of Aaron Brule, right, his breakout game was LSU in 2020, where, where out of nowhere he just broke out as a, a huge star and, and, and showed what he can, what he can give to a, a Zach Arnett defense. And then a year ago when uh, Jet Johnson and Bookie Watson like, became the, those two guys, and obviously like Tyrus Wheat is his own linebacker, right, he's not going to put Aaron Brule in that position. He had to leave, and and you know we're thinking about just going back that LSU game, and I, I'm still not going to let them live this down. That one time they put Nathan Pickering as a as a spy on on Jaden Daniels like that, I, I'm still mad about that. I'll always be mad about that. If you have Aaron Brule, yeah, he can catch him, or at least he can get close. He won't, you know, give 20 yards of space to to Daniels, who's three times his speed. You know, you'd have a better guy to to put in that position. But, yeah, you see Jet Johnson, like, yeah, he does play with a lot of heart. He does play with a lot of hustle. Bookie Watson's made a, made a few boneheaded mistakes we've seen throughout the year. You know, that targeting in the A&M game, um, that, that was – it was a targeting. It was just a dumb play on his part, right? And he didn't get a play in the first half against Arkansas. And, yeah, that defensive line, I mean – it's just not what we thought it was going to be, right? You, you expect that kind of progression, you know, as you go along with, with Charlton, uh, Cameron Young, Pickering, all those guys on that D-line, like you expect a, a constant progression from the, from the previous season to the next. And it's really just been about the same as it was a year ago. And you don't have uh, a crummity in there. So it's really just about the same as it was a year ago, minus your best player. So it's not been as good as, as it was last year. Yeah, and look, they played really well against Alabama. Um, they, yeah. The run defense was fantastic. I thought they did a good job getting pressure on Bryce Young in the second half. There were a few times in the first half where pass rush just he had all day, but at the same time, it's kind of hard to get home when Bama's offensive line is holding every play and it doesn't get called. Um, but look, hopefully they can keep up what they showed against Alabama. Getting Jaden Crumney back should be huge, and that can help them out going forward. I mean, but – you know, you also need some more guys to step up, hopefully some younger players. But that's a unit that's going to be replacing a lot next year. Um, offensively, you expect State to have a ton of experience back. and uh, But on the defense, it's going to be a bit of a mixed bag. And, you know, we're not talking 2023 just yet, but um, you're going to have a good bit of turnover for the defensive front seven. So you really need to see some guys start to step up there. And 
Uh, hopefully, you know, a better rotation can help things out. I, they did some more of that against Alabama, getting guys like J.P. Purvis more involved out there and some of the younger defensive linemen. But, you know, th- that has been a, big a, disappointment, a bit of a disappointment. The next big disappointment for me, and it was a massive disappointment a year ago, thought we had fixed things, kickers. And I guess you can throw punters under that umbrella too after the last few weeks because they had been playing fantastic. And now it's back-to-back weeks with awful punts, which it has been pointed out, ironically, those two terrible punts have not re- resulted in points for the other teams. So they've, they've mostly done their job, and when they've screwed up, the defense has bailed them out. But on to the kicker side, though. When you bring in a guy in Massimo Viscardi, who for his, like, well, he was like a Groza Award semifinalist, finalist or something last year. I don't know what it was, but he was fantastic at uh, Coastal Carolina. Clearly had a strong leg, you know, had, had, had hit a 52-yarder. And he had missed a few extra points in his career, but he nowhere close to the issues that we've seen this year. And then he has his struggles, and we go to Ben Raven. And Raven looks fantastic. And then it just falls apart. And I don't know what the issue is. I don't know why outside of Jace Christman, Mississippi State has not been good at kicker in the last 15 years. But, like, you, you made moves to fix this in the offseason with the transfers you brought in moving Eric Mealy over to full-time special teams coach. Uh, I believe that was Mealy. Did Mealy go to special teams? Did I, or did I just mix that up? Yes. We're going to make ourselves look really – you can look that up. I apologize. I might have mixed up coaching uh, moves. Uh, or was it Matt Brock? It was one of the two. Probably Matt Brock. I uh, think okay. – I, I don't know why I said Mealy. I, I had him on my mind. I think it was Matt Brock who moved over. This is us showing our lack of – like why you shouldn't be listening to us because we mix this. We First it was the offensive line. Now it's coaching staff. You got it? Well, it, it wasn't on the app. I don't know why. <laughs> this is a great podcasting right here, but it's me messing up. No, it is Mealy. It, it is Mealy. Okay, I was right that. to begin with. Now, see, I, I knew – all right. That just showed, like, I, I, we shouldn't – I would say we shouldn't second-guess ourselves, but the offensive line incident showed that we absolutely should second-guess ourselves. So, yeah. Eric Mealy, you move him over. Um, I know he was running backs coach last year, and you bring him over to special teams to try to fix that. And on the one hand, you've seen some improvements, but on the other hand, it's just kind of some of the same issues. And it's the, it cost him issue games a year ago. You can argue special teams cost MSU a game against LSU, although I, I don't think that tells the whole story. Um, and I just – I really worry that in a game like Auburn or the Egg Bowl that it's going to come down to a kick and they're just not going to be able to handle their business. Yeah. It, yeah, I, I don't know what happened to Biscardi and Raven. Like, I don't know what happened to them. Um, really just not good to see. And – you know, just even more on special teams, you know, it feels it feels like at least when I look back at it, I got to look at all the times it's happened. When Tulu gets a really good return, uh, there's always a flag on the play. And if there's a kick return and there's a flag, 100% guarantee it is on the returning team. Uh, unless they throw it right at the kick and it's offside, but you'll see that. It is always going to be on the, the return team. And it feels like every time Tulu has a – and some of those, you look back at the replays – like those blocking the backs were like 15 yards from where Tulu was. Like it wasn't even important. And you're thinking to yourself, like, why are you shooting yourself in the foot like this? Like, like Tulu Griffin just brought the ball to midfield. And 
he was going to do it no matter what. But now you you did this thing like that. You did this at the 30 yard line. Now you're at the 15, you know, or, or the 20. It, it It's frustrating to see that. And, you know, when you have a special kick returner like like Griffin, a guy that that you haven't really seen here do that in a very long time, it's really unfortunate to see it get, you know, just get messed up like that. And and with the kicking, yeah, just I don't think it's as bad as last year was, but it's just not good. Yeah, no, it it's been a it, it's been a struggle as a whole. And again, it's so weird because there are other aspects that have been clear improvements for special teams. Where last year that unit was an entire disaster, outside of literally one kick return from Tulu Griffin, well, or two. He had, a, he had one that set up the comeback against Louisiana Tech and then obviously opened up the game against NC State. That was basically it for that unit all last year. There have been positives this season from the special teams unit, but you still have those just those head-scratching moments. And the last big thing that sticks out to me, the general sloppiness for a veteran team. And this is especially highlighted on the road. But we've – excuse me. Sorry, I kind of had a half hiccup there. We've seen some of this happen at home too. Like the AM game, you start off with just a million false starts for no reason at all, playing in front of your own fans. It, it, it was fine. You sorted things out. But just I, for a team with the experience that this team has, you there's no reason to have those types of errors where it's just mental lapses with, you know, dumb penalties, both on offense and on defense with false starts and then just unsportsmanlike conduct on defense or, oh, just, you know, uh, Get, I don't know. I can't explain it all. Some of the holding calls in the secondary that, that don't don't need to be happening. And then you get, you know, the drop passes. And early in the season, you had, you still saw a lot of fumbles for whatever reason. Muffed punts, if we're going back to special teams. State just makes a lot of mistakes that you can't afford. I talked about this a lot with Lounge, where with the style that we play, you cannot – on both offense and defense, where you're going to be – putting yourself in this one particular niche, try to set yourself apart. You can't do things to shoot yourself in the foot. And unfortunately we get a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it is, but just something about it. Not as, not as disciplined as you want to be. Um, you know, at least, at least I will say this for the most part, we're not as penalized as Bama has been this year, except for uh, a week ago, I guess. <laughs> but uh you know it it just it there's not a whole lot else you can say except it's that I'll say that goes back to a lot of coaching uh you gotta you gotta coach a lot of that that recklessness out of the guys and and poor decision making and you know we're looking at getting bailed out every once in a while from some of our sloppiness I mean there are a few times when we were at home against A&M in Arkansas that that Will Rogers should have been picked off and balls just like slipped out of defenders hands and we got like really lucky. Sometimes there was one time in the AM game, like I think it hit the the Aggie defender like right in the numbers. And you know, he like pounded the ground, like I should have had that. And everyone in the stands, at least where I was sitting, is like, yeah, he should have had that. Like, we're lucky. And then we went on to score a touchdown. It's like, hey, huge swing right there, but we'll take it. Yeah, just things like that. Like it's it's too late to fix that at this point in the season. That's gotta be fixed in the off season, really. Well, they're going to need to correct it because with the upcoming stretch, they, I don't, and I, I, I think some of it's mental though. I think a lot of it is like, I don't know if you can say it, like, you might be right. This may just be what plugs this team the rest of the year. It was an issue for a lot of last season, but I thought last year they kind of cleaned some of that stuff up over the final stretch. Unfortunately, we're kind of seeing the same thing this year, hopefully to close things out. 
you get a lot of that fixed because look at the crucial stretch coming up. You can't afford to have it happen. And Mike Leach coach team, these are the type of things that are not supposed to be happening when Leach is your coach. So with that, let's take a look at what we are grading or where we're grading MSU through this point of the season, each of their phases and overall. And starting off with the offense, I'm going to give it a B minus. Um, I feel like the the inconsistencies are why I knock it down more because with like I can't just say a normal B because on the one hand it's like they've they've played pretty well some up and down games but you know nothing that you would you know they've also had games where they've been fantastic but the thing that makes it a minus for me is just the fact that um year three Mike Leach with the experience they have to me it shouldn't be as up and down as it has been. Um, and, and a lot of those miscues with the false starts, fumbles, drops, uh, that stuff just it, it annoys me. So I'm going B minus for offense. Yeah, for me, I'm going to give them a B. I think they've been very effective. Uh, just the way they played at home, I mean, you can really give that an A. And I mean, even even the way they played uh, at Arizona, like that was also an A A grade uh, performance for the offense. But those three losses. I'll say the two losses that that you could have won, it was just bad, really bad, like C minus, almost approaching like D level performance. You know, nothing you can do about the Alabama game, nothing you can do about it. But also in Kentucky, like that brings it down from like an A to a B. Um, nothing else really for me to say on that. Yeah, on defense, I'm gonna give it just a solid B. Um, even though I've been disappointed with the front seven and there's been some leakiness. What I could say about most of the games prior to Kentucky was when the defense needed to make a play, they made a play. They would give up yardage. They would give up some big plays. There'd be times where just consistency, it just wasn't great. But they would make stops in key moments. Kentucky, they didn't do it, but that's one game. Sometimes you're going to have a game like that. And then against Alabama, I mean, 20, uh, 30 points allowed in some of that, like giving talking about being set up on short fields. and like the fact that, I mean, that, that's an offense with that has been incredible all year. The way they held them, considering the circumstances, that was an incredible performance. The defense played as well as they could have in that game. I think it's been mostly good overall. It's really just one stinger that truly bothers me because, I mean, LSU, that, that truly was a situation where they did all they could do for most of that game and then just got tired because the offense is doing nothing. But for the most part, I think it's been a, like, I can't give them, you know, an A or anything, but I'll give them a nice solid B. Yeah, at times, it almost you look at it almost like that 2020 defense, right? They were phenomenal, but it was until the offense just kept giving three and out after three and out after three and out, and they couldn't do a single thing about it that, that the defense finally caved in. And if it weren't for that, that horrible moving offense that season, that they would have, you know, gotten more attention. And in similar situations here, but like you said, I mean, they've made big plays, right? with the amount of uh, defensive touchdowns we've had this year from just Emmanuel Forbes himself is just a beautiful thing to look at, right? Maybe he'll get another one in this home stretch. That'd be pretty awesome. It, it It's just, it's, it's good defense, right? And that secondary is just what we thought it could be and at times even better. So it, that, that definitely gets a B uh, in, in my book as well. On special teams, I'm just going like a straight C. Like there are aspects of it that have been clearly improved. Um, Xavion Thomas prior to last week had been very impressive in the opportunities he had. Obviously, to the Griffin, I mean, what more can he ask of the guy? Um, 
the punt game has been good minus essentially two kicks. Two kicks that didn't matter, but all of a sudden that's showing up at a bad time. Um, kick coverage, punt coverage. You've done a good job with those things. It's literally just penalties on returns, uh, two bad muffed punts, that, including one that was just completely shifted the momentum of a game, um, and then kicking. I can't say much positive about kicking because, again, you thought you figured something out. Turns out you did. It's just still a disaster. Um, so, I mean, there's aspects of special teams that are clearly improved, so I'm not going to sit here and just be like, oh, they're an F. But um, there's enough bad that drags them down. So I'm just going to give them just a, a, a normal C. I, I, I'm approaching borderline D. I'm going to give him a C minus. I mean, it based on what we expected out of them at, in the preseason, I had really high expectations for it, just with the kickers that you brought in. You expect them to improve on, on kick coverage and not get those holding calls when Griffin is making a big return, right? The amount of times we could have been at midfield after a kickoff when we brought back to our own 20 that kind of thing. I mean, yeah, the punting, sometimes it just didn't work out, right? Um, but just with the expectation that you had, especially just on the kickers, it, I'm giving a C-minus um, chance to redeem themselves. But, but, yeah, that's where I stand with special teams. Yeah, totally fair. And, like, you I mean, C-minus, D could definitely be justified just from the fact that what have been the issues for special teams are the issues that you especially can't have. Like, if some of the other stuff happens, it's, like, it's still bad, but at the same time, you kind of can mask some of that up. Kicking woes, muffed punts, uh, and just untimely penalties, those are the things that really come back to haunt you the most. So I, t- I totally get that. For my overall grade, I literally took the threes that I – like, the three grades I gave and then averaged together. So, like, I assigned numerical values for how I was going to do it, and I just came out to a B-. And I think that's probably accurate for this team. Um there, I, I would say that playing on a B level probably means that you're doing right exactly as they thought. Because I do think if I was going to award A, that would have to be like they're they're doing better than I thought. So like they're just sort of like right there, but there's the the negative aspects that drop it down a little bit. So I think B minus is kind of where this team's at right now. Yeah, B minus too, based on all the the cumulative results. And let's be honest, like B minus isn't bad. Like if I got that on a test in college, I'd be like, oh, sweet. Like, I, I got a B, right? Like, it, it didn't suck. It's not that bad. Uh, you know, you can go on Twitter and scroll through and see just people trying to trying to make things up or not make things up, but take the negative and ignore all the positive from the team. Just take the negative and say, all right, this is a horrible team. Fire Mike Leach, this, that, this, that. <clears throat> At Frank, or I guess his now name is Mark. Um, I had a history with him before, uh, and and he'll t- he'll say anything to talk bad about Mike Leach, but man, it it's a decent team, five and three. You have a winning record, right? You have two wins in the SEC, with the potential to end the season with five wins in the SEC. You know, if, if you win those out, which every single game you could theoretically. Um, I'm going to put just quotations around could for the Georgia game because, I mean, it's Georgia, but it's Davis Wade Stadium, right? So you never know, but, but more, more than likely Georgia wins that. But still, potential to, to get four wins in the SEC, like, I'll take that. I'll take it. 
No, for sure. And if they get there, and like you said, they're they're basically on track. Um, if, if that happens, I think most all of us should take that and be happy. Now, with that said, speaking of those preseason expectations, what we would determine a success, you know, what are the things that we have to see to make sure they get there? So I have four big things that I labeled out. Number one, I think they got to figure out the offensive line. Um, hopefully getting LaQuinton Sharp back. It doesn't sound like that injury is going to be super serious. They feel like he could maybe go against Auburn. Um, you need him. He's your leader out there. And look, offensive line, all things considered, I didn't think it could have been worse against Alabama than it was, um, especially the way they were able to run the ball. And some, I don't think communication was that big of an issue for them. It's just trying to handle Will Anderson, Dallas Turner. You're not going to face any Will Andersons going forward, but Auburn's got some good players up front. Georgia obviously does. Ole Miss, their defense has been leaky lately and hasn't looked. They've, they've got some real problems, but they've got some decent players who have pass rusher. So you got to get this offensive line figured out so that the, the, the offense is going to be a big, like, it's going to be tough to put up points when the offensive line's moving. And that's true for a lot of offenses, but I've mentioned this before. Other schemes, you can try to find more ways to play around with that. We, we don't necessarily, we kind of have some limitations. So you got to get better play up front. Um, the defense we saw against Bama, we need that. The rest of the way, ideally, getting Jaden Crumley back should should help there with the run defense. But we know, like all Auburn can do, there's nothing Auburn can do on offense but run the football. It's Tank Bigsby. Uh, I can't remember the other kid's name who's from Mississippi. Um, but then obviously quarterback. I, I would imagine it's we we don't need to look up that name. It's Auburn. Uh, normally we forget names. We need to go look it up. Um, but then we'll have the next probably, week. Yeah, probably Robbie Robbie Ashford, a quarterback who all he can do is run. Like, that's been an issue for State. Teams that are really able to, like, have a threat, both with the running backs and the quarterback, you've got to find a way to contain it. Because, look, Bryce Young, he was mobile. Last, obviously, he's a mobile player, but he's not a guy who's a threat to take off and run. He specifically chooses not to run because he just doesn't want to. Um, that's going to be huge. Ole Miss, like, their offense is their ground game um, with what they're able to do with Judkins and Dart um, and Zach Evans you need to be able to stop the run better and you did it really well against Alabama that needs to continue and you got to ramp up that pass rush get quarterbacks to the ground don't let them escape so a lot of what we saw the defense against Alabama and some of the stuff we saw maybe early in the season if nothing else making plays in timely moments because that went away against Kentucky um outside of you know the best player in your defense Forbes getting the pick six um you, you need that to step up speaking of stepping up wide receivers I was really excited for this unit in the preseason. Um, and they've shown some of that at times. They've It's looked like the best group of receivers State has ever had. And then you get games like you did against Alabama where they just look atrocious. And, I mean, I, I don't know how an air raid offense is supposed to operate when the receivers can't catch passes. And, unfortunately, especially on the road, that has been an issue. Well, guess what road game MSU has left? The most important one on the schedule. So you can't have those type of mistakes. You catch the football literally all this team does in practice is go through catches like that is the air raid practice as you you rep catching the ball over and over and over so somehow that's got to get drilled into them over this bye week and kind of in that same vein the last big thing for me is it's the mental mistakes last year down the stretch state cleaned up a lot of those simple errors now unfortunately they came back in the egg bowl but some of that was the weather uh, playing a role in, in the bowl game I that was just its own situation. But some of the stuff, like last year, State had a lot of these issues that we're talking about early in the year. They had a lot of penalties. They had a lot of drops and fumbles. 
they got that cleaned up down the stretch. And if you remember, State had a good stretch last season down down the play. The offense looked really good over those final few weeks prior to the last couple of games. You need it in this crucial stretch going forward. So clean up the mental mistakes. Try to, like, put together a complete game because I don't know if we've seen a full complete game from this team because of those errors. If they can do those things, or at least most of them, they got a great chance to do what, what we were talking about preseason would be a success. I'm going to reiterate what you said about the wide receivers. I mean, that that's the biggest thing about the air raid. And it does seem that at times, you know, they came up short, especially on the road, the LSU game, what two drop passes on fourth down, um, you know, uh, Kentucky it did have a few mistakes in there. It wasn't just the wide receivers in that situation and, and Alabama, yeah, the same thing on fourth down. I mean, just holding on to the football. Like, you cannot have those drop passes. That's why it was such a big deal, uh, that that Memphis game, when there were zero drop passes and it was in the rain. And we were thinking, like, man, like, we're not dropping passes in the rain. What can we do the rest of the season? And then it just kind of went a little bit downhill. And and you've seen that kind of potential from, from, from Caleb ducking, from Ra Ra Thomas. But, like, the other guys also got to step it up. I mean – you know, Austin Williams, the 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 long tenured member, like you know, um, sometimes he's gonna get up, make that play, and he's made some fantastic catches this year. Uh, but but at times, like it's just getting open and and getting their getting your hands on the football and holding on, like just hold on. Uh, you know, I, there's nothing else to do but to to coach that into them. And if they can't do it, like man, we're we're in trouble. Yeah. So. With that in mind, I think now we need to talk. What do we expect down the stretch? Um, and I'll let you go first here. Do you think this team is going to get to where you had them preseason? I, which I know, I guess, technically they're slightly ahead of that. Um, but what, what are you looking at now based on what you've seen through two-thirds of the season? Well, I'm going to – I have a uh... – a thing I always want to stick with the preseason because if I go back from you say it too. I mean, we both say it. Don't want to leave what we said in the preseason. I'm going to go with eight and four. Um, I will will do a toss up between Auburn, Georgia, and Ole Miss. Uh, all three remaining SEC games because I mean that matchup for Auburn it could hurt us. And if if Brian Harson is fired by then, I'm actually going to be a little bit scared. And Georgia's Georgia and Ole Miss is Ole Miss. The Egg Bowl, like that game is going to be tossed up no matter what. The experts can say whatever they want. Anything could happen in that game. Uh, that's just how that game works. So I will, with a little bit of hope in my heart, give the benefit of the doubt uh, to Mississippi State in two and one in the remaining SEC games. Probably make another Gator Bowl or whatever they call it nowadays, the Tax Slayer Bowl. You know, hey, it's a Florida Bowl what you want so so I, I'd take eight and four and I, I do have a feeling that the upset over Georgia is possible but you'll probably end up losing a different game and you know who would you rather I mean, obviously you'd rather lose to Auburn than Ole Miss even though Auburn's as bad as they are but beating Ole Miss is just the most important part look hey I would I would take the Gator Bowl Jacksonville's a fun trip um you know, you talk about that Auburn game. I am cheering hard for Auburn this weekend because I like, I I'd talked about it before how that matchup, there's part of the matchup that scares me. And then Auburn Jesus always scares you. 
if you add in a factor of they're getting an interim coach boost because they lose coming off a bye week to Arkansas at home and they fire Harson, I'm just going to say now we're losing the game. <laughs> um, I hope not. Uh, which I guess that's a little bit of negativity, but with that in mind, I'm going to be a little bit negative here. I am dropping state down the peg from where I had it before uh, right now. And I, I've got them losing the egg bowl. So it's seven and five, three and five. I just, it's, it's crazy. Cause going back to the, you know, in the off season, I kind of was like, man, I think state will be the better team than Ole Miss, but I also look at it. Like, I still think they're going to be pretty good. It's in Oxford. Like, it's hard for me to say that you were going to go on the road and win that Egg Bowl, even if I think State's slightly better. And then, of course, you get to a point of the season where, like, no, no, we are the better football team. We are we are going to go up there. We're going to get that win. And, look, Ole Miss right now kind of showing they're a little bit of a – I think the phrase paper tiger um, over, you know, the past few weeks. They're, they're not nearly as good as they, they once were, but it's still going on the road for an Egg Bowl. And, unfortunately, like, some of those – the way State has played on the road to this point of the season, I – I don't know if they're going to clean that stuff up. And I think the matchup is a bit of a problem as well. Certainly don't expect them beating Georgia either. So I, I got state kind of closing out and I don't, I don't know, Texas bowl, just kind of a low bowl game that people have been trying to predict us in the Texas bowl constantly for the past five years. So I, it, it, if we go seven and five, it'll probably happen. Um, so the Texas bowl happened party at my, my parents' house. We won't tell them about it either. My parents live in Houston. So so we're, we're going to party with, with Daniel's mom and dad and, and show them what it's like in Stark Vegas. Oddly, when I was in school, because obviously, you know, I was in band, so I got to travel to the bowl games. There were a few times I would have been on board the Texas Bowl. I was like, yeah, I'll take a trip to Houston. That'd be fun. Um, but I, I know the fan base probably will not be particularly excited for that uh, if it does happen. So I hope I'm wrong. Was I, that, Vegas bowl. <laughs> that, that was the other side of it. Like, let's get to the Las Vegas Bowl. Like, if that'll happen. Look, if State going seven and five and losing the Egg Bowl means they get to go to a Las Vegas Bowl, it, the season was actually a win. Like, you can thank Mike Leach for that. Yeah. So, uh, I guess I'm going to be a little bit negative. I'm going to be on the negative side. Hopefully, I'm wrong, but I'm trying to set myself up to not be disappointed down the stretch. Obviously, as we do every week, we're still going to make predictions. There's no MSU game to talk about, but we will make predictions for games in the SEC and across the country to keep up. And all streaks have to come to an end. For the first time since week one, Daniel beats me uh, in the pick'em. Uh, I am now six yes. and two week by week. He is two and six overall records. I don't know if I'm pointing these out. I'm fifty and twenty-one. He is forty-one and thirty. He did close up two games on me. He went six and two in his picks. I went four and four. We both missed on Ole Miss. Um, we both missed on A&M. Uh, I but where I missed was I took Texas over Oklahoma State and Longhorns choked that game away. But to be fair, I had TCU over Oklahoma State last week, and Oklahoma State choked that game away. So I, I guess it balances out over us the last couple of weeks. And then Kansas State, they were up on TCU, but they had some quarterback problems and ended up losing that game. So four and four week for me when you count both predicting Mississippi State to lose to Alabama. Six and two for Daniel. Uh, I'll give you a chance. Any words after a victorious week? I am so excited. I forgot what winning is like. Uh, in the words McMill, I used to pray for times like this. Uh, I got so excited. Uh, I had a celebratory. I shaved my beard. Uh, just got the little light mustache out now because why not? I actually know. I, 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 it looked ugly one day, and I just decided to shave it. But it, I'll, I'll claim it was in celebration of a great week. Um, I don't know what to say, man. Like, it just oh, 
I forgot when it is like I may never win again, but this is great. Well, you're gonna have a chance. We, we got have, a different system. I look at the chart this week, so so maybe maybe we'll, maybe I'll start a streak. We have a few different. Not likely. We went ahead and put our picks in on our Google Doc. So let's take a look at the week upcoming across the country, starting with the SEC matchups. I talked about this one just a minute ago. Arkansas goes to the plains of Auburn. Auburn off a bye. Arkansas off a bye as well. Um, the Hogs look like they got things together against BYU. Auburn has just looked like a disaster all season. Uh, but Jordan Hare Magic, maybe it's still something. Who do you got in this one? Yeah, 11 a.m. Jordan Hare Magic. I don't know. I, I'm picking Arkansas in it. KJ Jefferson looks healthy. He looks good again. And I say good again. He was hurt before. So, I mean, you can't say he was bad. But the only time he was, like, not at his best was that A&M game. But they've – obviously, you saw in the BYU game, he got – they got better. And he got better. And I think he's going to have a great game. I got Arkansas just – I got Arkansas by a lot, actually. But I hope it's not enough to fire Brian Harson. Praying. I hope yeah, we so get to fire <laughs> I'm going to try to speak it into existence. This is the last time I'm going to do this all year because I'm – I. I can't remember. I didn't do it again. I didn't pull the trigger against Penn State, but I, I think I came close to pulling the trigger another time. I'm taking Auburn. Um, I am. I have no reason for this. I I, I just keep buying into the Jordan Hare magic. Just no or Auburn Jesus. Just knowing I knowing in the back of my mind that Auburn Jesus is going to rise again when they play us next week. But hopefully, I can speak it into existence that it happens this week. So I will take the Auburn Tigers to pull the upset at home and keep Brian Harson employed for another week uh, so that he can screw things up when he comes to Starkville, uh, which was a night game, by the way. I have a surprise. We got a night game there. So we'll uh, night kickoff in Starkville against Auburn next week. World's largest outdoor cocktail party, Florida, taking on – I don't know why I put it at. Number one, UGA down in Jacksonville. Um, always a unique atmosphere. Definitely one of those games I, I would love to go check out one day. Florida has not looked all that hot really since that Utah win. Um, Georgia had a few scares, but has gotten things together. Uh, which way are you leaning? Well, you know, deep down, I used to call it one, one name, but, but this week, I mean, it's kind of obvious. We kind of have a good idea who's going to win. It's the, uh, it's the Georgia Florida game and Georgia wins. Yeah. Um, this is, you know, fans who bark at children versus fans who wear jorts, uh, barking at children greater than jorts. Take, give me UGA, the other Bulldogs, the uglier Bulldog mascot. Maybe an interesting game. Missouri at number 25, South Carolina. Carolina 5-2, and two, ranked in the top 25. If you're a Gamecock fan, I get it, celebrate it. I still don't think they're very good. I think Spencer Rattler has like five touchdowns, eight interceptions on the season. Um, they they were very fortunate to beat Kentucky without Levis, and then frankly, A and M's implosion is why they got that win. I'm still not buying the Gamecocks, but at the same time, Missouri kind of sucks. So, do, do you what, what? How do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm old enough to remember when when South Carolina's one and two, we kind of wrote them off. And now they're on this this four game win streak, which has been kind of fun to see. I, it's been kind of nice, and I got them keeping it up. I mean, obviously A and M's implosion, who saw that coming? But the fact of the matter is, they beat a team more talented than them. 
Uh, and, and quite honestly, they've done that twice this year now with the win over Kentucky. So they're uh, South Carolina's more talented than Missouri. I mean, we can agree on that, but they're, yeah, they're going to win, keep up that momentum and they're going to get bowl eligible this week. And they, they could potentially uh, win eight games this year. If you look at the rest of their schedule, like it is possible if they win some tough ones, they need to win at Florida though, which you never know, or maybe they'll just, pull it out of their hat and beat Clemson for once, do their job in the SEC. I don't know about that happening, but I will take the Gamecocks to win because Missouri, I mean, look, you struggle with Vanderbilt, and I think Missouri's kind of at a point where they're just sort of giving up. The, the Auburn and Georgia close games kind of suck life out of them. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still not buying South Carolina, but you're right. Like, they're, they got this game, then it's Vanderbilt, and then they could absolutely go down to Gainesville and win, and they could be 8-2 and two hosting Tennessee – I saw Gamecock fans already talking about the chance of getting college game day there. Um, that would be interesting, even though I think Tennessee will boat race them. Um, I said it, so maybe that means South Carolina will win now. Uh, but, yeah, I'll go with the Gamecocks. Speaking of the Vols, top 25 matchup in the SEC, number 19, Kentucky going to Neyland, face on face number three, Tennessee. Tennessee uh, breaking out the all-black uniforms, black helmets for the first time in school history. Uh, pretty clean look. Kind of like Halloween weekend, it's fitting. Um, UK, obviously, we, we allowed them to get right, sort of on the right track again. And did they have a uh, other? Did they have a buy last week? I'm trying to remember. I uh, think they did. It really doesn't matter. Um, yeah, they did. Okay, yeah, they get on the right track against us. Unfortunately, they get a week to rest up. Um, now going to Neyland. Even in this run of success, they've had some struggles. And, I mean, look, last year Tennessee went to Lexington and kind of lit them up. Uh, what, how you how do you feel about this one? Yeah, I mean, Tennessee's just really, really good offense. Really good. Not, not a lot of teams can stop them, and not a lot of teams will stop them. And you got Tennessee um, – Tennessee by more – by probably two, two scores – I'm also going to take Tennessee. I do think it'll be a closer game. Um, I, Kentucky's defense has kind of shown, like, they've been playing better. Also, Kentucky's kind of getting some stuff together offensively, and I don't trust the Tennessee defense. So, I think with Levis, another week for them to get, you know, get better off the bye week. Rodriguez and that ground game are starting to heat up. I think this could be a competitive game. Um, so, but I'm, I'm still going to take Tennessee at home. I'm not certainly ready to crown Kentucky. Number 15, Ole Miss. Goes out to Aggie Land, um, A and M three straight losses. Uh, get embarrassed by Mississippi State, keep it close with Alabama, and then just look disgusting. In South Carolina did Haynes King did go down in that game. I don't know what their quarterback situation is coming to this one. Obviously, Ole Miss seven and zero start, but week by week it just looked more and more suspect. And then they go down to Tiger Tiger Land last week, get off to a hot fast start, but uh, then really collapse down the stretch, get blown out by LSU. I, you know, eight, Ole Miss is a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and I know the stat, they're like two and six against the spread this season. So, if that trend continues, you kind of feel like, well, A&M probably wins outright. Uh, I'll go ahead and make my pick here, though. I, I just don't trust A&M. I, Ole Miss got exposed a little bit last week, but I'm not picking A&M to win a football game. So, I'll take the Rebels. You know, I, I, I'm curious – because I've seen things online about what Jimbo's been saying and some of the things just didn't look like smart comments. I wonder if he's trying to keep his job or not. 
Like I am genuinely curious about that. Does he just want his buyout so he can leave? I mean, that financially, that's a great decision for him, but I don't know if he's trying to keep that job or not. If he is, I think Texas A&M wins it. I really do. I think they're able to contain the run and their secondary is able to hold enough to, to where, you know, Devon A-Chain is going to have a, a big game and, and I think he'll, he'll do pretty decent no matter what against that Ole Miss defense. So I'm, I'm just going to ride with A&M though. I'm assuming Jimbo wants to keep his job. I assume he wants to keep coaching. We'll see. I hope you're right. Cause I would love to see Ole Miss continue to implode and A&M, I almost want A&M to get some stuff figured out down the stretch so that they get a lot of hype in the off season only to look terrible again next season. Uh, not a great slate of games nationally. I mean, really not a great slate within the SEC, but there's a few interesting ones, but we do have three national games to look at. Uh, number two, Ohio State going on the road, number 13, Penn State. Thanks a lot, Fox. This would normally be a night game wide out at, uh, at Happy Valley, but instead we get this at 11 a.m. kickoff. Um, Penn State, for what it's worth, even though they have not won since 2016 but they all against Ohio State, but they always played the Buckeyes pretty tough. Uh, do you think the Nittany Lions have a chance? I think they have a chance, but I don't think it's a great chance. And just like you said, there's a wideout. I probably would be picking Penn State, uh, but and I want to pick them so bad. I mean, I I don't know. I like seeing Penn State do well. I don't like Ohio State that much, so I'd rather see Penn State do good. But uh, yeah, Buckeyes, just Buckeyes, they're they're gonna probably make the playoff, and they could win a national championship this year. Yeah. It was interesting. There was I actually kind of heard a breakdown. Ohio State beat Iowa. It was like 54 to 10. And yet you could make an argument Ohio State did not play well in that game. That just kind of tells you how good Ohio State is. Uh, I think they're going to be woke up. And again, not having to play at night in a wideout, that certainly helps their case here. Uh, so I will also take the Buckeyes. Number nine, Oklahoma State uh, goes on the road to number two, K-State. This is a really Interesting battle. This should be a great game. I will say this is one of the upsides to the Big 12 and a preview of what you're going to see going forward. Even though they're losing Oklahoma and Texas, you got a lot of teams that are very evenly matched, including the teams that are going to be joining when you talk about Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, BYU. It's going to be some great games, and we're getting some of those this year. Um, so between the Pokes and the Wildcats, uh, which way do you lean? Well, this game's going to have a huge impact in deciding who wins who goes to the conference championship, you're assuming that TCU's already locked that in by beating both of these teams in the previous two weeks. Um, I've been high on Oklahoma State. I picked them the last two weeks. Give me three weeks in a row. I mean, this has been a huge stretch for them, right? Taking on TCU and losing that one double overtime and going on and, and uh, beating Texas a week ago. I think they're going to go in on the road here and uh, get the win against K-State. Spencer so Sanders, that's my boy. <laughs> You're taking Oklahoma State for the third straight week. I'm going to pick against Oklahoma State for the third straight week. Uh, Manhattan is a place where teams' dreams go to die. Uh, it, that is a very underrated home field advantage. I like this K-State team a lot. I, I don't know what the quarterback situation is, admittedly, if Adrian Martinez is playing, but um, I'm just going to take vibes and say the, the purple wave. That, that's not what they call them out there. I'm just calling them that right now pulls the upset and you're right. I mean, the winner in this game is going to have the fast track to the big 12 championship game. So huge implications for this one. Last game, this might be disgusting, but I just needed to find something else to throw in here. 
Pitt at number 21, UNC. Um, this is a game that is, if Pitt wants any chance at being able to continue to contend for the ACC Coastal title, which was their expectations preseason, they're going to have to win this one. Right now, UNC has a big advantage over anyone else. They're undefeated in ACC play um, uh, when it comes to that race for that division. UNC's offense is incredible. Their defense sucks. Pitt defensively is okay. Offense, they were a lot better off when their coach was willing to throw the football, but he decided to caveman ball is better off. But they have found a running back who is incredible. He had like a 300-yard game a few weeks ago. Uh, I, I do think this game could be pretty competitive, but it is in Chapel Hill. And ultimately, I just even with Pitt's defense being pretty solid, I don't trust them in a shootout. I'll take UNC. Yeah, Drake May is a special quarterback. I mean, the dude's been absolutely tearing it up, you know, with the kind of numbers he's having and the way UNC's been playing with their record, like, should be in the Heisman conversation. Now, I'm still going to ride UNC in this one, you know, put them at 7-1 and one and and really in the driver's seat to win, uh, to, to go to the, the ACC championship game. That's future New Orleans Saint quarterback Drake May. Um we don't I, – I hope, or anyone. Um, obviously, we don't have a Mississippi State game to predict this week. So, instead of having a tiebreaker, which we haven't had to use the tiebreaker in quite some time, um, using the Mississippi State score, uh, Kentucky-Tennessee, I think that's kind of the most interesting game in the SEC, um, just for what those two teams can be. So, uh, what, what are your score predictions uh, up in Neyland? I got Tennessee winning it 42-31. Uh, you know, I just – trust that that Tennessee offense but also trust in a little bit of the Kentucky offense as well I think they are going to put up points on on Tennessee enough to to put a little bit of pressure early on maybe uh, but really that third end of the third early in the fourth uh, Tennessee is just going to break away when I say break away I mean you're winning by 11 on my prediction so uh, get a, a comfortable enough lead to where maybe that last touchdown might come in garbage time or something we'll see but uh yeah, Tennessee 42-31. I believe the spread on this one is like 14 and a half in that range, 12 and a half, 14 and a half. Uh, so yeah. either way, you've got them covering the spread. And, and I do as well. Uh, I We talked about Pitt just a second ago. Pitt at Tennessee, that was a game went to overtime. The final was like, I think it was like 34-27 in that range. That's actually what I'm predicting. I'm going to take the Vols 34-27 touchdown victory. I do think – I've, I mentioned it recently. I, I'm, I'm starting to come around on Will Levis. I'm still not sold on him as a big-time NFL quarterback, but I do think he's better than a lot of us had been giving him credit for. Their ground game's getting some stuff figured out. I just, I'm just i still ultimately going to take that Tennessee offense to ultimately get it done when it's all said uh, and done. So I've got Tennessee 34-27. We'll see if that score prediction matters for us when it comes to the game results, which I actually it might not. Um, I think we have three differences. So, do we – let me see. Yeah. We got uh, the Oklahoma State game, the A&M game, and the Arkansas-Auburn game. Yes, yes, I, I was – so, we, we gave a score prediction that's not going to play any role when it's all said and done because we can't finish with the same record. But we'll see, just, just for – uh, fun. So that's going to do it for us today. Uh, like I said, early next week, you will get a preview of basketball season, probably going to come out around Tuesday. I think me and Colton are going to re record on Monday night. Um, so talk about what, what's going to be happening uh, in the hump this year. And then Daniel will be back on as we talk about this huge Auburn game coming up after the bye week. So enjoy a stress-free weekend of football. 
that's obviously something that is very nice when you, when you are a fan that you can just watch games and not have to worry about it. Uh, or if you're going to use this weekend to go out and enjoy fall festivities by, by all means, although I think it's going to be a bit wet this weekend. So it may be a little bit tougher to pull off. Um, but again, that'll do it for us today. Thanks, Dana, for hopping on. Thanks, you guys, for listening. And as always, swing your sword and hail state.